0: welcome welcome to another brief episode here in the art house road show uh, today's episode is the promised uh review of spider-man no way home i decided even though last time i mentioned i'd be doing a spoiler heavy one i'm gonna do two uh one's gonna be non-spoiler and that'll go out Um, this is going out today when you're hearing this, obviously, but this will go out earlier and then, uh, later in the week after this one, um, I will do a spoiler heavy review of Spider-Man No Way Home that will be much longer and really get into the nitty gritty of the themes there. Um, but, uh, today we'll do a non-spoiler review because I know a lot of you, or maybe some of you, um, could be on the fence about whether to see it. Um, uh, there's been a lot of criticism of this new iteration of Spider-Man, um, and a lot of comparisons, especially with this movie, just because, like, in previous movies, um, you know, with Tobey Maguire, um, Andrew Garfield, um, you know, and other iterations of Spider-Man, um, I mean, you could even look at Into the Spider-Verse, which was an animated version of Spider-Man, um, That this version, the Tom Holland Spider-Man, lacked a certain, um, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man vibe, um, even though Homecoming was all about being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, of course, um, but, I mean, case in point, right, uh, if you go back and watch Maguire, which a lot of people are doing because, you know, you'll see, um, some of the villains, those are in the, um, the trailers, uh, by the way, by non-spoilers, I mean anything that's been in one of the main trailers. I won't go into any of the TV spots or one of the millions of like clips that Sony released it leading up to the movie. It's, it's almost as if I told a friend that they wanted to release this movie three minutes at a time on the internet. But only the main two trailers, um, which show a reveal of Dr. Octopus, um, Green Goblin, you see Sandman there. Uh, The Lizard, and uh, Jamie Foxx's Electro. Uh, Now, I won't share whether or not uh, those are a part of (laughs) uh, certain movies. There's been some debate about whether or not Electro or the Lizard or the Sandman were actually a part of the same universe um, as the ones in which those characters appeared, being Spider-Man 3 and then Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. I won't add to that. Obviously, the Green Goblin is from the, uh, original Raimi Spider-Man, uh, the first installment of that, and Dr. Octopus is from the second, um, they make that clear in the trailers, um, so anyway, um, I won't be spoiling that part of it, but a lot of people are going back to watch those movies just in case those characters are from that, and if they are, then, you know, that's Spider-Man 1 through 3, plus Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, which are the previous five Spider-Man movie, uh, movies. Um, and so some people are going back and they're seeing that, that original, you know, Tobey Maguire, for example, like he sewed his Spider-Man suit together himself. And so did Andrew Garfield's, uh, Peter Parker, both those Peter Parkers were kind of working with scraps yet the first real spider suit, um, cause you've got, uh, for both, like, if you just look at amazing Spider-Man one, Spider-Man and Spider-Man homecoming, uh, with some emphasis a little bit on civil war, um, the uh the spider-man peter parker make their own suit which is really cheap um for maguire for example he has this kind of face covering and this sweatshirt where he's painted or spray painted a spider symbol on um the uh andrew garfield version he just kind of has a face mask and then eventually he just he builds his own suit um and then for uh the spider-man from the mcu you see in civil war um you see him uh Wearing, you know, a hoodie with a face mask and kind of goggles that he made. Uh, which are pretty pretty cool looking, but all of them very low tech. But all of them then upgrade to a different suit. Um, both Maguire and Garfield kind of sew their own, their own together. Um, and, you know, Tom Holland's character gets a suit made by Tony Stark. So it's real fancy. And then he goes from that suit to the Iron Spider sh- suit, also made by Tony Stark. And then he goes from that to a suit made with Stark technology and far from home, right? And so he has some serious gadgets and gizmos at his disposal. Um, one of my uh, friends called it called him Iron Lad more than Spider-Man because he has all of these gadgets that he got from Tony Stark. And, you know, the other two Spider-Men don't have that, right? They don't have that. They're kind of just making it themselves. Um, so that's that's uh, some criticism that it's received and so the reason why i'm making this non-spoiler review long story short this could have been a lot um shorter is i for those of you who are on the fence and who would like maybe a perspective of someone who has seen it with those criticisms in mind um then uh, i'm making this podcast uh just to just for you right or if for any other reason you're on the fence about the movie um i can kind of give you an idea of uh, who should watch this? Who the, who's this movie for? Um, and I, w- I will give you uh, some details there without spoiling the movie. Um, so anyway, that's important. Alright, so let's go on to the movie. Um, again, no spoilers. There will be a spoiler-heavy review coming later in the week. But for today, we have a non-spoiler review. So um, without giving anything away, um, I liked it. I thought it was really, really good. Um, I have a definitive list of all the MCU movies, properties, TV shows, um, that, um, I've ranked in order, um, which I will, I will share at the end of this podcast. You can kind of argue and debate with me uh, on what your favorite is, but, um, uh, I have a list and right now, um, No Way Home, uh, is right up there at the top. Um, it's right in the top. I won't tell you exactly where it is. Um, and I won't tell you exactly where it is when I list off my list here at the end. I will in the spoiler review. Uh, because there's reasons why I feel the way that I do about it. But it's it's very near the top. Um, that's all you need to know. So I liked it. Um, the movie is a very good Spider-Man movie. Um, in the avenue of like, you know, I grew up. With the spider, the animated Spider-Man, um, which is now on Disney+. And this very much reminded me of that Spider-Man um, in a lot of ways. Um, I always felt very strongly about um, that Spider-Man, that iteration of Spider-Man. He had a lot to deal with, and he was very much on his own for all of it. Um, and so this is what you get here. And it's interesting, because if you look at the arc of spider-man story tom holland is you know now has done the most work as spider-man and it sounds like he's he's a little exhausted with it too he's talked a lot about wanting to retire from the role um but as of right now um right here in the middle of when i'm recording this i'm recording this on the saturday after the release uh, the movie's made more money than any marvel property has um up until this point during this period so like they crushed the thursday night box office record um that was previously held by endgame and so yeah this is um quite um the time for him to be saying he's giving up now i think it's probably associated a little bit with money he might be wanting to negotiate a new deal maybe not i don't know what his motivations are he gave an interview tom holland that is several years ago that he is looking to get out of acting by the time he's 30 he'd like to do something else with his life, um, he didn't specify what that was, um, but he's 25 right now, and so he's you know he's got some things that he probably wants to do. Um, you know, I'd hate to see him go from the role. They've got lots of options, obviously, like they could go the Miles Morales route um, and things like that, or recast or do something like that. But right now, Spider-Man is kind of the hottest property um, that Marvel has, and I mean that's true for a couple reasons. Not only because Spider-Man has always been really popular. Um, but with the exit, obviously, of Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans from the MCU, um, and there being no Iron Man or Captain America, they're looking for new central faces of the MCU. And right now, Tom Holland is right there. He did Far From Home right after Endgame and kind of establishing himself as a kind of Tony Stark of sorts. Um, but, you know, when you look at the arc of those movies, you know, he, the first movie he's in is Civil War. He gets recruited by Tony Stark, given a new suit. Real fancy stuff. Um, But he goes from that into Homecoming, and it's kind of the story of him becoming worthy of the role of Spider-Man. You know, another reason some people are really critical, and some people actually really like this about... um, uh, Sorry, not Andrew Garfield. um, About Tom Holland's uh, Spider-Man is the fact that he's never really engaged with uh, an Uncle Ben character right he's only really only had tony um and aunt may um and happy for that matter uh for far from home fans um but he's never really had that kind of uh with great power comes great responsibility conversation he he kind of gestured at it in civil war um but you know (laughs) that wasn't really the line um now some people are happy that we didn't see uncle ben die for a third time i mean if there's two people you don't want to be cast at cast as in a movie, it's uh, Batman's parents and it's Uncle Ben. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, that's neither here nor there. But the arc is, you know, he gets all of this really great technology. Um, he then joins the Avengers, um, gets blipped away during Infinity War, comes back, fights in the uh, um, in the final battle against Thanos. You know, and I mean the backdrop of that is that the reason why Tony decides to go along with the mission at least that's what they seem to suggest via the um uh, end game movie is uh is spider-man spider-man's the reason because he gets blipped away and he's just a kid and tony kind of has to sit there and watch him die you know he's very broken up about the first thing he says to cap when he lands is that you know i lost the kid um you know, because he got criticized a lot by, the, by his fellow Avengers for bringing a child into the team. Yeah, because Tony always believed in Spider-Man. Um, and him getting blipped away was really devastating to him. And so, uh, and then obviously in Endgame, Tony makes the ultimate sacrifice. Um, Spider-Man is really beat up by that. Um, and then Far From Home is kind of this movie about Spider-Man getting into that role of iron man uh, as kind of like the only avenger as as the main avenger earth's greatest defender which i always felt bad for him for that like tony had this like multi-billion dollar tech company um, and a lot of allies and like the military and those kind of things and then here's this you know kid just trying to enjoy his vacation in europe and high school and he can't really enjoy that um which is hilarious um and so yeah um it's really interesting to see all that come into this movie right that's his character's arc he's had a lot of engagement with the avengers he's had a lot of engagement with tony stark he has a lot of technology kind of in his favor he's had a lot of things happen to him that are good um obviously the most devastating loss of losing tony stark was huge i mean it's huge for all the avengers it wasn't just huge for him um but this movie is different it has a very different kind of tone um you know, even Far From Home, it was kind of just him against Mysterio. Um, and they leave that movie with Peter Parker's identity being revealed. Um, as the trailers indicate, this movie picks up right at that moment. It actually just, there's no time that's passed. Um, but, yeah, so his identity's revealed. J. Jonah Jameson is now on the scene. And I think that's a big part of it j jonah jameson is kind of the backdrop of this movie like if you watch for example the mcguire movies j jonah jameson is a huge part of the environment and um like ethos of that world and the fact that they hired um the same actor right to play j jonah jameson between those makes this feel a lot more like a spider-man movie in that way um but even with the last movie far from home um it was all about life after the blip. And it should have been. It was the movie that happened right after um, the events of Endgame. So it should have had a lot to say about the blip. It kind of goes into some of the like details of what it was like for people to come back um, after being blipped away for five years. I mean, it should have done that work for the audience. But the problem that people have with it is that each movie in Homecoming, Tony Stark is actually in it. Iron Man is in it. In Far From Home, Tony Stark is very much at the backdrop, you know, because Spider Man is very much dealing with the fact that he's kind of seen as the new Spider Man by people, but he's grieving that loss. He doesn't feel like he can fill those shoes. Um, And he shouldn't have to, right? Tony Stark and Spider Man are two very different heroes, and they have two very different origin stories, two very different set of skills. And so a lot of Spider Man purists, (coughs) excuse me, are really upset about the fact that for the most part for spider-man's journey he's just been cast as kind of like a little iron man right iron lad they have that in the comics iron lad is his name um but here in this movie spider-man is kind of treated as him and that's not really um something a lot of people like but you know sorry to belabor this point but i i just really want to make this point clear to anyone who's on the fence this is different this movie is different you'll feel very much at home in this movie that this is a Spider-Man movie. Um, It doesn't mean that there aren't references to um, Tony Stark or the Avengers or things like that in the trailers you see, for example, Happy Hogan. Um, And obviously the world is going to talk about, um, in that world, the Avengers and things like that. And so you do hear mention of those things and you do, um, you know still have that as a part of it but the overriding theme of this movie is very much spider-man being spider-man and so if that's something that you're worried about please um please 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 see that um go see this movie because i think you'll be very pleasantly surprised um next the villains uh the villains uh they do write by them i think they're all great um uh, without any spoilers about the stories with them and everything, I think that um, the fight scenes are really cool. You know, it's fun to see um, Peter Park Peter Parker as Tom Holland, you know, fighting Doctor Octopus from the raimi verse, and same with Green Goblin. Um, but if you were a fan, and I know a lot of people were, because those first that the first Spider Man trilogy was very much like um, uh, a villain heavy set of movies um right even spider-man 3 with flint marco and the sandman um i felt like he was a great villain right relatable all those kind of things everything like the vulture was in this movie uh in um homecoming right relatable you understand his motivations and things like that so um yeah they do write by the villains they do write by the villains um because those early spider-man movie movies were carried by their villains they had good good villains and so bringing them into this movie uh this set of movies was i think something a lot of fans were waiting for to see if they'd do right by them because some of the kind of corniness you know this is and this is my personal opinion maguire is just kind of just crazy awkward and they don't do him any favors in the movie the way they cast that movie um uh cast him in that movie like some of the things he makes him say like some of the dialogue is a little bit clunky and awkward um i go back to like the scenes where um like for example he's about to propose to mj um and he's trying to um you know get the right words out and he never really can and so like i don't know like i just also just everyone is just really inexplicably mean to, to toby Maguire's spider-man In that movie, if you've watched anything like what happened on the set, you'll know that like the crew didn't really like Tobey Maguire as an actor. But what I mean by they were mean to his version of Peter Parker is that like in the story, like people were just really out of this world mean um, to him for no reason. Didn't really make any sense. But anyway, back to the villains. They do write by them. Um, There's, uh, you know, some questions about uh, the fact that you have all these villains there. Um, obviously, like after Spider Man and um, Spider Man 2, like those are the main two that have been confirmed in the trilogy in the trailers as being like from um, the universe that we know them from. Um, they they do very very good job of explaining like how they get there and things like that because that's one of the confusing pieces from the um, like how do those characters get there? Obviously, we watch them die. Um, they do a great job of, like, explaining that. So I think that's that's really important. Um, and so if you're wondering if they did right by the villains, uh, according to me, they did. I think that you'll know exactly what I mean when you see that. Um, and there's something about the how you talk about a villain that has changed since those early um, Spider-Man movies, and especially the first one. You just have this kind of this idea of, um, like... Yeah, well, if you go back a little bit further, right, in the 80s, um, good guys are good, bad guys are bad, and just, like, know the difference, right? In recent years, and and you could probably credit, to some extent, um, these Spider-Man movies, uh, the Raimi Spider-Man movies especially, but, you know, even the amazing Spider-Man movies as well, um, with really exploring a nuance in villains that explains why the mcu has some nuance in their villains largely i mean not every mcu movie has this i mean thor the dark world is pretty bad (laughs) when it comes to the nuance in the villain but um for the most part you know i think we can look at movies like spider-man because like if you look at the green goblin from that movie like he's very much a conflicted villain he's kind of got this like schizophrenia almost kind of vibe where he's got this evil part that takes over but this part of him that desires ultimately and wants to be good right you've got dr octavius who at the end of his movie like he's reasoned with and realizes what he's done and uses the arms to destroy the machine and you know bury it so that like he doesn't blow up new york and things like that and so um it's it's important to see that like that it kind of explains how we get to someone like a relatable villain like the vulture for example, in Spider-Man Homecoming, a relatable villain who's got motives that, you know, still Wall, um, not a good person, <laughs> you can understand why he makes the decisions that he does. Um, you know, even like somebody like Killmonger, right? And Black Panther, who um, people really do um, think and see and argue about whether or not he, he was right. You know, he was right. Um, and his motivations... And whether or not they're right, and I think that's something that's interesting, and in that you see kind of this multi-layered. Like a villain isn't just this evil person, um, you know, empty of meaning. We talked a little bit about that on the podcast with Halloween Kills. You know, you've got this idea that evil is this absence of good. That's why this—it's uh, so easy for Michael he, with the mask. Like he—he he wears the mask to kind of strip himself of humanity, and so you don't see the humanity there. That's not the case with the villains uh, in the movie. Um, in the Spider-Man movies, and especially in this one, too. I think that's good. Um, next is this idea of redemption. Now, with no spoilers at all um, in the saying this, the theme of redemption here is strong. Um, what it means for Spider-Man to be Spider-Man, I think, is helpful. Uh, as a backdrop for this, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into w- what makes Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Um, but redemption is a huge arc here for a lot of different characters in this movie. And I won't say which ones, um, but redemption is a huge piece. Um, Are we bound to the deeds that we have done, or is there redemption for us? Right? And I think that you'll be surprised which characters find the most redemption, because it's not the ones that you would think coming from here. Uh, another theme is fate i think um you know redemption that piece of redemption is enough for you to say okay um that sounds interesting i want to go see what characters are redeemed i think that would be a cool thing to explore but also this idea of fate um fate as this kind of like in theologically speaking since that's kind of one of the themes of this podcast um you know, in the tradition that I, I come from, fate is this is not something that's sealed for you, that is written down and those kind of things. But it's something that, um, interestingly enough, um, uh, it's a theologically uh, believed that God kind of holds every possible future in God's memory, right? God can see how we act in a certain way and like how a decision can manifest in a whole host of other decisions but you know any one decision is a denial of a thousand other decisions as well so there's a thousand roads not taken i read this really interesting article just on on this topic and i think the title was uh does god uh, what happens to these untaken futures or something like that or does god mourn these untaken futures the author of it was uh, tony baker but a really interesting piece because it brings to mind that idea and this is a scholastic idea that you know god knows all the possible choices that you could have taken and the futures that that could have manifested and so those futures um that could have turned out differently and the the author tony baker brings up that idea in context to um he's studying for example his um family's history Um, And he talks about how he has his ancestor who had like nine kids with his wife. Uh, The wife dies uh, early uh, in their marriage. Uh, They have several kids. Uh, The oldest of the kids dies as well of consumption. And it's really interesting because the point that Baker tries to make or that he makes, in fact, um, is that what do you do with those? Like the future that that the husband of that family wanted was a, a, an ability to grow old with his wife and be visited by his eldest child and things like that for its seeming time. And so, um, you know, what do we do with those unaccessible futures? And I think that's a powerful theme. And I mean, when you look at Spider-Man, right, what would Spider-Man have been? For example, let's say in the classic version, if Uncle Ben had lived, Right what would Spider-Man have been if he still had his parents around, right? I think of the Andrew Garfield version, right? Where um, you have this this character who in the, the two movies you have, he um, very much uh, is mourning the fact that his parents aren't around. I mean, if you look at, the version and tom holland right what would have happened if tony stark hadn't died what what would have happened if tony stark had never given him the suit you know the question about fate of who we become uh is i think a huge question that is here right so in the trailer for example um you know dr strange all the main villains um are ones who died fighting spider-man and he has this line doctor strange does that it's their it's their fate and so um the the question about is not taking up about whether fate is real but the question takes up is what do we do with those um futures that we wish we would have had that that maybe we didn't have so that's another thing to look out for uh and then lastly you know just to talk about real quick who um you know the the thing that makes this a good spider-man movie is the idea of the the theme that is central i think and this is in the comics stan lee talks about this a lot is with great power comes great responsibility and you see him wrestling with that um him being tom holland spider-man um you see him wrestling with that in this movie um a lot and i think that's really important um because He's never been shared that phrase before, you know, obviously the only one, uh, out of all of the versions that we've seen, um, the only ones, I guess we could say, um, you have the cartoon, you've got the comic version, uh, in terms of, um, you didn't get this with Miles Morales, um, you got something like that, the other Spider-Men from the different universes, um, they said that you can't save everyone in this job, and they go through and talk about all the people that, um, that they lost that led them into this, this place. Um, and the, um, uh, and I'm trying to think, does Miles Morales actually get that through Peter B. Spar- Peter B. Parker? Um, I don't know. Uh, let me know in the comments whether or not he does or not. I'll probably find it, figure it out before, <laughs> before I hear from one of you, but I don't think he does. Uh, in the live actions ones, you do have Tobey Maguire's character who does. Um, and Andrew Garfield gets a similar kind of speech from his uncle Bed played Ben played by Martin Sheen. Um, you know he he says something to the effect of like if if you have the ability to do great things then you have a responsibility to do those great things not not uh, uh, not something but responsibility right. And so he made this really convoluted version. I don't know why in that version they decided not to do that. They made it worse in Homecoming uh when tom holland was like i just you know if the bad things happen and i could have done something to happen it's kind of my fault like again i don't know why they were allergic to the phrase just say the phrase but but nevertheless whether the phrase is said or not um that theme uh plays a huge role here with great power comes great responsibility some say that the second spider-man movie um spider-man 2 is the best superhero movie um, of all time because it really explores this idea of the duties of a superhero and there's some really great Kantian vibes here right um, because he talks about Kant does uh, and for those of you are wondering Immanuel Kant is a philosopher German um, a very uh, bombastic figure very um, charismatic figure but nonetheless um, he, he has this theory that idea of like there's the duties that we're kind of responsible for like average duties but then there's these like kind of like over the top duties that we are responsible for uh that we are not responsible for but that these people these super heroic characteristics kind of make and in some sense that's kind of at the backdrop of the with great power comes great responsibility um you know for con it is that the average person would not commit to these great um like actions right so like a super ethical um task like a normal person really doesn't have a duty to do them right uh in some sense that's it's imperfect like that um but uh, nonetheless like it's this uh this idea that for spider-man to be spider-man things within his power he has a duty to do them right in some sense because he is more superhuman right now kant would have wouldn't have a category for that but nonetheless it gives this idea that for the average person they can't do what spider-man can do but spider-man can do what spider-man can do so he has a responsibility to do those things um and in that movie for example he um you know in the famously in the first one um first spider-man movie uh he saves some kids and some people in a burning building uh and then he does it again in spider-man 2 but in that movie he's lost his powers because of an existential kind of funk and so the question is whether or not he can do great things without having to be spider-man um you know and he wrestles with that but in this movie too great with great power comes great responsibility and that means a lot of different things it's connected to obviously the revelation made by mysterio at the end of far from home um it's kind of bound up in that idea from the trailers where peter parker goes and asks uh, dr strange to change uh like everyone's memory right Uh, So, in some sense, Doctor Strange has to answer this, too. Like, he's got great power. He has great responsibility. Does he use that well? I mean, you'll have to watch the movie and find out um, to see if that's actually true. But nonetheless, um, this idea pervades the movie. And it really shapes and forms. Because one thing that Tom Holland has come out and said is that the Peter Parker that you see at the end of this movie... Is different than the Peter Parker you saw at the end of Far From Home, and I think that's a that's a fair summary of what's going on here. And again, it's closer to the origins, and you get a lot more familiar of a Spider-Man than with than we've had before. And I think that's I think that's a helpful um, thing for you to to think about if you're wanting to see this movie. Because if you're a Spider-Man purist, you'll be very proud of this movie, I think, for a lot of reasons. Um. Anyway, so. Um, before I read my list, just so you can kind of see what my um, uh, what my kind of like uh, favorite Marvel properties are, um, before I get to that, and that'll be the last piece before we go. Who is this movie for? Who's this movie for? It's for a lot of people. This is a has a broad audience. I think. Um, not a lot of the movies we cover here on the Art House Roadshow will be. They're very niche in that way. Um, but nonetheless, um, I think this movie has an audience, has a lot of audience. I mean, $50 million just on Thursday alone. A lot of people are going to want to see this, obviously. But, you know, for, to begin, it's for people who want to, um, be, uh, continuing, or, I, that's a really complicated way of saying that. Sorry. I don't know why I got tied up in those words. It's for people who love the MCU, Obviously, that theme and that feel is still there. Um, Right now, we also have the Hawkeye series, so there's a lot of Marvel stuff for you to enjoy. Um, So it's people who love that. If you like the traditional formula of the Marvel movie um, and enjoy kind of the humor mixed with seriousness, um, mixed with good action, right, good production, then this movie is for you. Um, So go see it. It's for anybody who, who loves Spider-Man. Like I've been saying throughout this movie, I know that the Tom Holland version of Spider-Man has felt different than the comics, the cartoons, um, even the other two live-action movies. Um, but this feels very connected to that without losing that connection to the MCU. Um, and, but it's also for people who really want to think through this idea of, of what does it mean to mourn a future that will never be. Right, how do we find redemption within that? And I think that's a good theme to check for um, throughout the entire movie. Um, but it's just—it's a good time. It's—it's it's a very fun movie. Um, if you're someone who's not into Marvel movies, I think you'll enjoy it still. Um, there's a lot of good humor and things like that. Um, if you've never watched a single Marvel movie in your life, or you've never watched a single Spider-Man movie in your life, you might feel a little lost. So this may not be for you um, if you don't want to see it. Um, if you absolutely cannot stand um, Tom Holland, then this movie is not for you, um, right? Um, if you hate the Marvel formula, this movie is not for you. Um, but if you find any kind of joy in the Marvel formula, if you like the MCU, if you enjoy Spider-Man just as a character... Um, If you're vaguely at least familiar with what has happened in the Marvel Universe um, or you've watched um, Spider-Man movies in the past, um, both Tom Holland or any of the ones that the villains um, may or may not be coming from, um, I think you'll enjoy this. Uh, I think you'll enjoy this. And so go see the movie. Um, It's worth your time and money. It really is um so go see it in a theater Uh, be safe out there there's still a global pandemic um wear masks uh, if you can uh, get vaccinated all that good stuff Um, but it is worth the trip out to see it it is worth the trip out to see it okay so let's look at my marvel list here and we'll go from there so coming in at number one um, actually, you know what, let's do it the opposite. Let's go, uh, 31 to 1. Um, so, number 31, or 30, uh, What If, that series didn't really do it for me. Um, I thought it was okay, but, I uh, it didn't really do it for me. Uh, number 30, The Incredible Hulk. Number 29, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Both of these just kind of felt like standard fare. Incredible Hulk is so on the outside of the MCU right now, just because... It had a different actor. It has a completely different feel. Obviously, Lieutenant Ross is, is a part of the MCU, but it just doesn't feel like any part of the movie or the MCU right now. Falcon of the Winter Soldier just felt like a really long um, Marvel movie. Um, I didn't, I don't know. It just it didn't really click with me. I thought the chemistry was a little off between Bucky and Sam. The thing I did love about that movie, and the one thing I'll say about all of these, i like all of them in their own way i don't hate any of these but i just like ones less than others so like i loved falcon as captain america i thought that was great Uh, suit looks great you know he did a great job in that fight scene i really believable i think he's gonna be a great captain america going forward thor of the dark world i just um struggled with um chris hemsworth's uh Uh, like, interactions with everyone in that movie. I thought it was a little forced. He really hit his stride in Ragnarok. Um, And, you know, in other properties. Eternals, I just don't know enough about the characters uh, um, to really say. Thor, same with uh, Thor the Dark World. I just enjoyed it a little bit better. Uh, 25 and 24, Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. They're hilarious movies. Really do enjoy them. Um, Great heist movies. Uh, tw- uh twenty three, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, it's my lowest ranked Spider-Man movie. Um, I don't know why. I just I didn't really connect with it as much as I did with the others. Iron Man two, Iron Man three, uh, which that's a recent switch. I used to not like Iron Man three at all. Um, but I I now really really like it, and it's one of my favorite Christmas movies, and it's a Christmas movie because he saves Christmas. Uh, Doctor Strange, Loki the series. Thought that was great. Uh, black widow captain america the first avenger it's my lowest ranked captain america movie uh, mostly because it was a period film the first avengers the first iron man guardians of the galaxy volume 2 um, shang chi at 13 black panther 12 11 at age of ultron 10 captain marvel 9 spider man homecoming Um, that was just such a good movie i felt real warm fuzzies inside watching that movie Uh, 8. Thor Ragnarok. Hilarious. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. I actually watched that in theaters 8 times. 6. Captain America Civil War. Um, 5. WandaVision. 4. Infinity War. Uh, 3. Captain America. And the Winter Soldier. Um, And then Avengers Endgame. Now, I I changed the numbers down to the top 10 um, just because Spider-Man No Way Home will fit in there um i guess i'd need to put hawkeye in there too um well i haven't seen the role of hawkeye so we'll tbd on that one but spider-man's in my top 10 home, no way home but i'll tell you the reasons where it's at and the number where it's at next time um so yeah that's my top uh, 30 of the marvel movies a little bit of bonus stuff here i'd love to hear um what you think what are your lists and anything like that um just to look forward to in our podcast going forward um this week um kyle and i will be recording our podcast on annihilation and what constitutes a christmas movie we'll have that out to you by the latest of the 30th of this month Uh, but either way look for that um you can see my spoiler heavy review which will come out later this week um to give people a little bit more time to maybe see that movie and then come back here and we can discuss it um and then uh later this month um probably before the last ep- or the next episode of the art house road show episode two that is um we'll do another review but this time of a tv show of midnight mass uh which we talked to i talked about last time with the special episode so be looking out for these reviews um and the main episodic versions of the show um but let us know if there's anything else you want to see us cover um i know that we released a poll on twitter recently and a lot of people voted and um we have uh probably after we cover annihilation we'll probably talk about the joker which is a a film that has received some mixed praise but i know that kyle's got some uh, strong opinions about it and so do i and so we'll talk about that in january um along with our hopefully episode three of the podcast but be looking out for episodes uh, follow us on Twitter at arthouse Um, you can always follow me at uh, Duke 13 Theo or Kyle at, at cinema 1978 um, hit us up on podbean or at our Gmail uh, we'd love to hear from you what you'd like to hear us cover um, any kind of feedback or questions anything that we say but anyway be well stay safe everyone hope that you guys have a good week and. Uh, a very Merry Christmas, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.